is Parker, can you give us some good recruiting news, please? I'm distraught. And oh. little could we have expected, Teddy Lehman, that just days after Oklahoma wins its third consecutive national title in the sport of softball, we're talking about the Sooners being victimized by arguably the most consequential transfer in the history of the sport. Yeah. Uh, I think that that is – I think that's a very – while it's a, uh, uh, a profound and big-time uh, statement, I think it's uh, easily fact-checked and found to be true. Uh, pretty wild. I'll tell you what I – you know, you got to find some silver lining everywhere. And for me, the fact that Tyler scheduled a vacation a long time ago and it just so happens – that we get a Jordy Ball transfer portal entry and an SEC Oklahoma schedule release in that exact week is amazing, isn't it? Yeah, you want to talk about a week that's definitely not going to be slow as far as the news cycle. Uh, this qualifies. I just love it. The two things that he – like, if you listed out the events <laughs> – for a year, and those two things happen to be listed there, he would pick those in his top five uh, that he must be there for 100%. That's great. We might not even need to show up to work next Monday. Tyler yeah. might just filibuster for four hours. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Uh, pretty wild, though, isn't it? I mean, some of the rumors started percolating a little bit. Uh, what, Friday and Saturday, it's hard to give something like that much attention. And then uh, I, got a, I got a text message from someone that I would consider to be in the know yesterday, and it was like, oh, boy, okay, well, at least I'll mentally be prepared for what, uh, what tomorrow brings. Pretty wild. Yeah. And you happen to be, uh, you know, linked to this, there's rumors out there that since you're from Nebraska, <laughs> that you maybe helped in some way facilitate this whole whole situation. Yes, I was the bag man. But yeah. no, in, in all seriousness, I first I heard of it, Teddy. I wrote it off immediately because I was like, okay, they yeah. literally just won the women's the women's college world series days ago. There's not any reason why the Women's College World Series MVP would be entering the transfer portal, right? To me, you could file it alongside all that bizarre smoke in January that Ethan Downs was transferring from OU. Like, yeah. okay, clearly there's no validity to this. But you continued to listen and interact with people behind the scenes. It became apparent that, no, this, like, this thing actually has legs to it. And look, man, as, as a Nebraskan – I, I understand. I get it. That place, sure. that state, you know, that's especially if that's where you've spent your whole life, it can have a strong pull for somebody like Jordy Ball, who's, or rather, until she came to Oklahoma, only had ever known really that corner of the world. And she's got a boyfriend that plays baseball at Nebraska. He's got a very tight-knit family down there in Papillion, which is – about a 15-minute drive from Omaha, situated right in between Omaha and Lincoln. And so there's a lot back home for her, and I'm sure, look, the way that she looks at it now, you just won back-to-back -back titles. You mm -hmm. won a Women's College World Series MVP. That's as good a – that is far better 
of a collegiate resume than even the standouts of the sport historically have ever done for themselves. And Jordy Ball still has two years of college ahead of her. So, right, man, she's she's one of those figures that, based on what she did for the university, what she brought to the university, the way that she represented the university, regardless of what her decision is or the reasons behind it, you just wish her well and her next venture in life and it looks like that's going to be playing softball at the university of nebraska yeah yeah well you know it's it's interesting like something you got to remember college softball and i know they have a professional league but college softball when it comes to uh fan bases and attention eyes college softball is really the pinnacle of the sport uh, some may throw olympics out there and okay i'll yield to that um but as far as like what we know year in year out college softball that's the pinnacle of the sport so if you are someone who's in jordy ball's situation you've won two national championships you have two years remaining. Like this is, you have two years to go home and try and win a national championship, the pinnacle of the sport at home, right? We we talk about, well, he's from California. He wants to go home and try and bring a title to whatever the Lakers or. You know, this is her going home and trying to win a title for her hometown because she's only got two more years. I, It's not like she has 15 more years of playing softball to be able to do that. You get a very, very brief window. So I 100% understand. Now, do I wish we still had her on uh, our roster? 100% absolutely. But. I, for one, am just um, thankful to have seen her play for two years up close and personal, Um, thankful for what she brought, and honestly, kind of rooting for her to do something with Nebraska softball. Right. Which I don't know. Is it even confirmed that that's where she's going? That I guess that's just a big assumption by me. I, if you if you read her announcement, she made it very very right. clear that Nebraska is kind of going to be the destination for her. Which again makes sense. The boyfriend's there. She was initially committed to Nebraska out of high school before flipping to Oklahoma. And so, if she is anything other than a corn husker by the end of the week, I'd be very surprised. But yeah. again, one of those people that you really just can't help but root for her, no matter where yeah. life takes her. What's the uh, what's the overall feeling? As I'm sure you're scanning the text line, because now it's a totally different situation than um, Caleb Williams. Obviously, went to USC, followed a coach. Um, we've seen other big name players, a handful of them out there transfer away and go somewhere else for nil perhaps or or maybe a better chance at winning something special um but typically those come with 
an angry fan base in tow, right, uh, from, from wherever you're leaving from, at least at this moment, maybe it's because everyone's on the high from winning the championship just a handful of days ago, but I, it feels like we're doing a good job staying pretty positive right now. And that is the case right now on the text line, outside of a text from the recruiting doomer who says, mm. yep, this is OU. But everybody else, like, yeah, Ball will be the queen in Nebraska. Uh, Ball wanting to grow the game for her home state is really noble. She's just missing that Nebraska sweet corn. Uh, anybody? <laughs> uh, Captain Willard says, Ref Army needs to form a phalanx around Jordy Ball. A standing order should be issued that any haters are punched in the face without hesitation. So there you go. Even on her way out, she has really nothing but love and adoration for all these fans that or from all these fans that acknowledge and recognize that what she accomplished in two years at the University of Oklahoma, again, mm. is more than most college softball players could ever dream of accomplishing. So try. you got you got four years worth and then some out of Jordy Ball in just two seasons. You know what I think is um, also something that is somewhat interesting, something to think about? You know – if you're ever on a team, a team that competes at, at, at a very high level, and you lose a, a an instrumental part in what it is that you do, the first thing, the first thought from everyone is, oh my gosh, I'm going to have to pick up the slack, right? Everyone, the entire team, coaching staff position players, everyone, your first thought is, holy crap, to make up for this, I'm going to have to be so much better. And everyone feels that. So a team that coming off of a three-peat, three national championships in a row, we all know the list of accolades for the team individually and as as a group. You know, a little bit of adversity and... A little bit of a change, a little bit of uh, maybe some doubt from the outside and maybe even all of a sudden from the inside, that can actually do a program good, right? right we've got to find some new things. We've got to find a new way to, um, you know, to, to be competitive, to stay where we are. We've got to get back on the grind. And whenever you win as much as they have, I mean, it's understandable if some of that stuff becomes monotonous and you're just a massive, overwhelming favorite, which I don't know that this is going to change any of that. But, I mean, I don't know. That's the first transfer portal we've seen. There could be there could be a bunch of moves. I, you know, who knows what happens. But I, sometimes a little bit of that is is welcomed, is natural, is helps the team grow. Well, and if you're talking about where OU goes from here, I think you said it, Teddy. If you remove Jordy Ball from the equation – Oklahoma's still head and shoulders above the rest of the college football landscape. Now, mm-hmm. is it going to hurt or are you going to feel it next year when, say, you get to the Women's College World Series and you can't turn to an arm out of the bullpen that you know is going to give you shutdown inning after shutdown inning? Sure, right? Jordy Ball is an asset over whatever replacement you could bring in. But Oklahoma has enough ammunition all around, both offensively and defensively and in the circle to be able to make up for the loss of Jordy Ball and not really feel it the way that other programs would feel it, right? If there's one program nationally that is equipped 
to lose a transfer of Jordy Ball's caliber. There's no denying that's Oklahoma. Right. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. Do you you feel 100%? It doesn't even have to be 100%, but how, how strongly do you feel that OU would have won the championship this year if they did not have Jordy Ball? I think Oklahoma was dominant enough this season that you can remove any singular player from the equation, and that's still probably a national championship team. Now, you take two or three of those cornerstone pieces out of the way, then maybe you start to have chinks in the armor, cracks in the foundation. You get the picture. But could Oklahoma have won a national title this year absent Jordy Ball? Yeah, I think so. It would not have been – like you would have had to sweat it out a little bit more probably. And it might not have felt as comfortable as it felt over the course of the season. But, yeah, I don't think Jordy Ball makes or breaks this program for Oklahoma. And so, again, does it hurt to lose her? Absolutely are you completely rudderless now and not sure what comes next? No, not a chance. Patty Gasso, if nothing else, is the queen of the transfer portal in right. college softball and will reload. See, I'm not as I'm not as sure as you are. Now, it's hard to say like there's a there's a butterfly effect factor going on here, right? Um, you know, part of Part of like how they played was just knowing how good Jordy Ball was and being able to stay confident in everything that you're doing. And even if you're down or there's she's got runners in scoring position, right? Um, so maybe maybe they would have built that confidence through other pitchers. But I don't know, man. I don't know. As incredible as she was in clutch situations, it's – I'm not. I'm not so sure. I would probably say, I'd still have them, most likely winning it. But as I would have said before the season and during the season, there's a 95 percent chance they win the championship. I might say now, looking back with no Jordy Ball, I think that's down to like 60 percent. Yeah. Well, and that's fair. Again, I, I think they're still the favorite. Yeah. Are they? completely head and shoulders above the rest of the field without Jordy Ball the way that they were throughout 2023? No, probably not to that extent. Hey, lots of news from the weekends in the football recruiting sphere. Ah, Obviously. Good uh, news, hopefully. (laughs) Hopefully some good news. Some good news, some bad news, some weird news. We're going to start to break all that down coming up next here on Locked In. Parker Thune, Teddy Lehman rolling with you on a Monday. Jordy Ball, of course, in the transfer portal for those just joining the program. I'm sure we'll talk about that as the hours roll on here on the Ref Sports Radio Network. But for now, come on back with us on the other side. We'll talk football recruiting and some of the official visitors that were in town for Oklahoma over the weekend. Keep it here. Locked in live on the Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Parker Thune, Teddy Lehman here with you on a Monday afternoon. Big official visit weekend number one for Oklahoma is a wrap. Visitors were in town Friday through Sunday. The Sooners had 13 of them. Seven of them on the offensive line, Teddy Lehman. Big weekend in the trenches in particular for Oklahoma. Not just on the offensive side, 
but also on the defensive side with number three overall player in the country and five-star defensive end Williams Nguyenary taking his official visit to Oklahoma. So a lot of emphasis placed on his OV this weekend by the Sooner staff, and obviously Bill Biedenboe had his hands full. Before we get into that, though, I want to I want to ask you, Teddy, were you familiar with the uh, the Easton Baker offer? Yes. Yep. <laughs> For those that have been out of the loop on that situation, Easton Baker took an official visit to Illinois over the weekend, decided yeah. to shut things down last night, and committed to the Fighting Illini five days before he would have been in Norman for an official visit, which is a strange development, to be sure, especially for a linebacker having the opportunity to at least come and see what the Oklahoma program can offer under Brent Venable's direction. You would figure that Baker would have at least given Oklahoma a shot before locking in with the fighting Illini, but he's officially off the board. He's committed to Illinois. He can nix that official visit for this coming weekend. And, Teddy, I think that really increases the emphasis and the importance of Oklahoma's pursuit of your boy Braden Platt out of the state of Washington. Yeah, I like him a lot. He was also one of those official visitors this past weekend. I like him a lot. Good, good kid. Strong as hell. Uh, like He's one of the best, maybe the best, shot put and disc kids in the entire country at linebacker which is not the typical body type for that uh shows how explosive he is uh, he's got good speed um i hmm he doesn't have elite speed i, I would say but he's already close what's his weight listed at he's already over 230 he's like close to 240 isn't he yeah he's a big boy yeah, he's already pretty big. So, like, I would say elite speed for a 240-pound uh, backer coming out of high school is, is like, 10-7 and below. And I think he's right around an 11-flat 100-meters guy, um, which is great. That, that I would call that great speed. Yeah, it's pretty dang so, good at linebacker. That'll fly. Yeah, uh, seems to be a smart kid. Um, I'm, you know, I, I sat and chatted with him for, I don't know, a couple hours during an entire practice and, uh, seems like a really good kid. Parents seem great. So yeah, I don't know where his head's at, but I, I, he, that would be a nice get in my opinion. Great text from Ohio sooner on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line. OU loses a recruit to Illinois and Jordy Ball is transferring. Anyway, here's Wonderwall. <laughs> um, that's what they're bumping the, out there at Newcastle Casino, huh? Uh, yeah. I I actually just had the conversation. I've moved over from underneath the speaker, and hopefully you can't hear it as much as you can typically, but I don't know. They're trying to get the energy up today here. Um, they're cranking some tunes. So what's your theory, though, on the Baker deal in Illinois? I... <laughs> It's hard to make sense. Like, it really is. I, I guess my best rationale, the best way I can make sense of it is he's a kid that is from a rather small town in Utah, and maybe he got caught up in the glitz and glamour of Illinois, which does have some pretty decent football facilities for being a program that 
hasn't won on an elite level in quite a while. But also, now, hang on a second. I got to pause you right there. Yeah. The glitz and glamour of Illinois, is that his first recruiting trip? That is his first official visit, yes. So Yeah, so I can it, uh, that, it feels that makes like, it make sense. Yeah, so. it, it kind of feels like an emotional decision where he was just like, oh, this is so much better than anything I've ever seen before. This has to be it. Because he, keep in mind, he's never been to Oklahoma. Right. And he's been other places throughout the Pac-12, but – a lot of those Pac-12 football programs do not off like for instance I can't even I can't remember offhand what Illinois football stadium is called right but it's a for being a middle tier Big 10 facility it's a pretty nice place and so I it really just feels like he kind of got caught up in the moment and also maybe Illinois sold him look on look you can go to Oklahoma and it's probably going to take you two or three years to crack the field there. You come here, you're playing linebacker in the Big Ten. The Big Ten is a linebacker's league. You can play early at the University of Illinois. And I'm sure they did use the Big Ten angle because that's part of how Ohio State coaxed Peyton Pierce away from Oklahoma. They told him, look, here's all the data, here's all the statistics. Here's all the NFL draft picks that the Big Ten has produced. Here's the advanced metrics to show you how much more of an opportunity there is for production at linebacker in the Big Ten than any other league. This is why you want to be playing linebacker in this conference. Yeah. Well, yeah, I guess some of that makes sense. I could understand wanting to play linebacker in that conference. I can't maybe as easily understand wanting to play linebacker in that conference for Illinois. Yeah. Um, but, you know, their defense was fantastic last year. I don't know if they keep that up without Walters there, who's uh, who's not the DC, or he's not the DC anymore, took the head coaching job. Um, so I, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I was fascinated by that. I was surprised by that. Now it's a commitment. Yeah. Has he canceled all his official visits already? And like, do you think that there's a chance that maybe it's not ironclad? Probably too hard to know at this point. Yeah. But. Well, and it's it's still very fresh. Like we're talking twelve yeah. hours fresh. But I will say, uh, based on how Oklahoma handled the Lane Jenkins situation a couple weeks back, right? I would figure the Sooner staff is. I figure they're, they're, the approach that they will take will be, hey, you know what? If you want to go play for Illinois, you can go play for Illinois. We'll find somebody else on the board. So, yeah. And, I, again, I don't know that for sure. That's just me judging off how the OU staff addressed the deal where Lane Jenkins committed to Oklahoma. And they was like, hey, I kind of want to go visit Illinois. Well, and, and OU- here's the thing, too. and I, I just saw a brief highlight clip of uh, you know what what he's got to offer um look like a good solid player with with some upside but we're not talking about sammy brown here right what was he was was he a four-star kid easton baker no he was a three-star three-star probably end up being a four-star though i would would say yeah he would have risen to the precipice of four-star territory at the very least um ohio sooner adds not to mention illinois lost devin witherspoon highly unlikely 
to be nearly as good as last year. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll yeah. see. From the 918, the best linebacker coach in the country can't land top linebacker commits. I forgot how insufferable some of these people get on the text line in the month of June, Teddy, because it was the exact same thing at this point a year ago. Nothing was happening for OU on the recruiting trail because, of course, the surge came in July after official visits were done, and people were freaking out. Now, I, I did not imagine that Easton Baker committing to Illinois would cause a freak out, and I guess it hasn't caused a major one. Yeah. But still, it seems as though people are actively questioning Brent Venables. Like, all right, where, where, where are these linebacker commits coming? When are they coming? Is that – but that isn't – I don't even – that's not true, though. <laughs> what, last year, I thought we had a great linebacker signing class. Yep, but you know how many linebackers Oklahoma had committed on June 12th of last year? None. What? So – uh, Omasigo, June thirtieth. He, he's a. I mean, I guess I haven't seen him. I didn't get to see him in the spring. He's a fun player, man. That's yeah, a fun football I, I, player. I think that's a that was a great signing. Uh, Pachati, I thought he he looked good in spring. Um, you kind of know what you're going to get. That's a Mike Backer. That's a that's yeah. an old school traditional Mike Backer. Thought he made some good strides in the spring. Uh, who else am I missing here? Carter kid? Yeah, which, I mean, it says something about Lewis Carter. When Brent Venables had already long had a commitment from Macari Vickers, a very solid commitment at that. And yeah. I, be I believe it was his National Signing Day press conference where he just came out and said, yeah, we thought Lewis Carter was the best player in the state of Florida. Right. Yeah. Um, and... I don't know. Maybe there's some context there, and he meant to say linebacker. I, I, I don't. Either way, that you want to watch some crazy highlight film. Watch that kid's highlights, and you know, haven't had a chance to see him either. But signed some, signed a really good linebacker class last year. Um, tra got a good linebacker transfer this year. So I, I don't know. I'm not buying that. We'll wait and see. You know, we'll wait and see. I, I. With all due respect, I think we'll be okay at backer moving forward, even if the Baker kid goes to Illinois. Yeah. And I Not think to say that he won't be great at Illinois, but I think we'll be okay ourselves. From a listener in the 918, just feels like some kind of curse over the years for elite defensive prospects. I certainly don't know if I would go that far, especially based on the fact that OU signed two of the top ten defensive prospects in the entire country last year in P.J. Adabare and Peyton Bowen. But to that point, Oklahoma did have several blue-chip defensive visitors in this past weekend, highlighted by williams Nwineri. Let's hit a quick break here on Locked In, and when we come back, We'll dive into Nwaneri's visit. Ooh. We'll dive into Braden Platt's visit a little bit. We'll talk the cornerbacks, several of them, on official visits with the Sooners this weekend. How are things looking on that side of the ball? More next. Keep it here. Locked in, rolling on here on a Monday. Parker Thune, Teddy Lehman live out at Newcastle Casino. Top of the hour, the rush kicks off. It'll be me and Teddy for another three hours. So if you already hate this pairing, I'm sorry. You're going to have to suffer a little longer. But as we continue breaking down the official visit weekend for Oklahoma and all of the returns therein, I think the natural place to start beyond what we've already touched on, Teddy, mm -hmm. is with five-star defensive lineman Williams and Winery, who uh, with a couple recent updates 
in the recruiting rankings nationally is now a consensus top five prospect in the entire country. Every single recruiting service has him amongst wow. the national top five. So, we want to talk about a war daddy. That's what this guy is. Obviously, a lot that ties him to the University of Oklahoma with his head coach being an OU alum. Or, I guess, not an alum, but a guy that was uh, a member of the 2000 National Championship team, a former teammate of yours, Jamar Mosey. Finished his career at Nichols, uh, but a Sooner through and through. Williams Nguyenary, also a teammate of current Oklahoma offensive lineman Caden Green, who was a constant presence on his official visit this past weekend. And it also doesn't help, Teddy, when you just signed a five-star defensive lineman from the same geographical region in P.J. Atabare, who comes from North Kansas City. Williams Nguyenary, of course, from Lee's Summit, Missouri, which is a suburb on the southern side of KC. Mm -hmm. So this is his sixth visit, was his sixth visit to Oklahoma. He's been here a lot. It likely won't be the last trip he makes to Norman before his recruitment is done and closed up. But I think the concern that a lot of OU fans have right now with this kid, Teddy, is that the two schools you're primarily doing battle with are Tennessee and Oregon. And uh, some well-funded collectives is what you're telling me. Bingo. Yeah. Hmm. Well, such is uh, recruiting now in college football. That's You can have, and I'm not necessarily speaking of Oklahoma here, but you can have an excellent coaching staff with great credentials, great track record, history of putting guys in the league, history of winning championships. Um, you can have a great university that's got tradition, fan base, facilities. But at the end of the day, money talks. Right? Money talks. So I hate where college football is right now. I hate it. Now, let me first say that I totally support players being able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness. I am totally against the collectives where it's not an organic thing. It is a pile a bunch of money together and make offers to portal kids and high school kids and that's just the world that you have to live in now, though. I mean, even for coaching staffs that don't like it, it's just you you have to do it to compete, but just absolutely not a fan in it. So all that being said, what were the uh, reports from the weekend with uh, Nguyenary? Well, things went well from everything I was told from people around him. Got the chance to catch up with him for a while yesterday evening, and... Look, there's a, there's a very high degree of comfort for him at Oklahoma, and he is not ambiguous about the fact that Miguel Chavis is the coach with whom he's got the best relationship anywhere, not just at Oklahoma, but at any of the schools that are recruiting him. And so, mm -hmm. yeah, OU's in a really, really good spot here. The proximity is working to their advantage. What was big this weekend on the OV was getting his parents in town because they hadn't gotten the chance to experience Oklahoma yet. So he's now been here six times. His parents have seen the sights. He's got strong relationships, not just with Chavis, but 
with several members of the team, most notably Caden Green and PJ. He was hosted by Jonah Laulu. Todd Bates has been very involved in the recruitment as well. And so if you're looking at this from purely a relational perspective on the recruitment, you'd be hard-pressed to figure anybody but Oklahoma is going to land the kid. But then, of course, you have to keep in mind that the NIL market, especially for elite defensive linemen, is bonkers these days. Teddy, we're only two years into the NIL era, and we're already seeing the elite of the elite Mm. at defensive line command seven-figure dollar signs. And so I – it's one of those deals where, yes, you feel good about it if you're an OU fan. And, yes, there's a lot of reason to believe he's going to end up in the class, but you can't really take it to the bank until you see a commitment from the kid and until you yeah. know for sure that he's locked in. The vibes are good. The vibes are good. No question about that. But do the vibes outweigh what inevitably other schools will be able and willing to to throw monetarily at a kid of that caliber. And he well, is yeah. – look, he's he's going to be well worth it in the long run. Sure. Yeah, and, and that's the thing is like – and I don't, I don't know anything about the kid, never met him, but I, even if he committed over the weekend, you can't take that to the bank. If, if you think a commitment is going to keep Oregon – or Tennessee, or anyone else for that matter, from calling, from, hey, guess what? We had someone come through and bolster that NIL deal a little bit for what what we last talked about. Uh, We're living in a new world right now, so we want to have a conversation with you. You know, like, that's going to happen right up until – the ink hits the paper with uh, a player of that caliber. So even a commitment, it makes you feel good. It makes you feel like, hey, there's, you know, he wants to come here. We've, you know, whatever it is that he he's he feels like he needs to go ahead and make that commitment. We've been able to put that in place. But that doesn't mean that those other schools aren't going to uh, dig deep into the pockets and see what they can find, you know? Yeah. Which, again, is why I hate the current structure of college football. It's stupid. Sark's Vodka on the Knippelmeyer Chevrolet text line says, if it wasn't frowned upon to drink at work, I'd play a drinking game of chugging a beer every time you mention our relationships with defensive linemen. I'd black out probably and wake up to that kid still signing somewhere else. LOL. Well, well like if that's, if that's the approach you want to take, fine, but it worked with Derek LeBlanc, and it'll work again. Well, here's the thing, man. And I, I, I totally understand what Sark's vodka is talking about. Okay, I get it. Sometimes it feels like we're relying on an outdated tool. We're going the relationship route when everyone else is going the financial route. We're bringing a knife to a gunfight. I understand that, but, you know, sometimes if you don't have a gun, you have to take your knife, okay? (laughs) Right now, we do not have the collectives 
with the amount of funding that Tennessee has, that Oregon has, that a bunch of the top schools have. We just don't. So what we what do we have to operate on? We pull together whatever we can in the NIL space, and our coaches have to develop relationships and hope that through the relationships, through all of the different things that you can offer, or offer through the university that you can break through. And that's not going to get you out of the NIL game, but maybe it can get you to, to have a kid consider and even sign with you for less on the NIL uh, front than, than he was being offered. Until, until we have a, a top five NIL uh, collective that is funded like like the top five you have to deal with relationships it's the it's it's what you've got yeah and it's going to be difficult to land those top guys you have to, they're going to have to be really selective on the top guys that they go after uh, it's not going to be realistic to put together a recruiting class with 10 five-star players you know and the rest four star because that doesn't fit our budget. And the fact that we're talking about that with college football is, again, why I hate the current status of college football. Yeah. Well, and to go along, go right hand-in-hand hand with that analogy that you used, it's not as if Oklahoma is going to quit trying to cultivate the strongest relationships with these kids, right? Because yeah. if you have a knife in a gunfight, you're not just going to sit down and say, oh, woe is me, guess I'm shot. No, you're going you're gonna to come with that knife and you're going to swing it as fervently as you can and try to stay alive. And that's what, that's what this OU staff is going to continue to do on the relationship front. Yeah, and hopefully you build a good enough relationship to where the person with the gun doesn't shoot you. You know, like that's kind of what we're relying <laughs> on at this point. You know, um, the, the main part of that, it, it's not optimal in the current climate. I recognize that, but it's it's the it's the real way to conduct business. You know, it's the real way to do things. It's hard. Uh, you got to be a great salesman to convince someone that hey, financially, at least right now, this moment, this second, this may not be the best thing for you. But we need you to take a look at the the bigger picture. Need you to think a little bit more long term. Uh, if you do that, this is the best place for you. That's not nearly as easy of a sell, but that's what they're. That's the way they're going about things. All right, we'll hit one final break here and be back to wrap up Locked In coming up next. Keep it here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Locked In here on The Ref, the home of Sooner fans. Sooners have been down for a while on the recruiting trail, but the surge is coming. Champion Barbecue comes this weekend. Sooners looking to close out a few commitments before the end of the month, and obviously I think most are expecting that the big zenith, if you will, for this recruiting class is going to come in the month of July, much as it came last season, or last cycle, I should say, for this program. And Teddy Lehman, I want to ask you, we got about a minute before we wrap this hour, but general thoughts on the linebacker position in this recruiting cycle with Easton Baker off the board. Braden Platt came in on an official visit this past week. James Nest is going to be coming in on an OV this coming weekend. 
What are your thoughts on linebacker recruiting in general at the moment? Well, I the problem is I don't know a whole lot of the guys out there that they're on. Now, I know the Platt kid. Uh, I think he fits really nicely with what they want to do at the inside backer spot. I think that'd be a really good pickup. I've seen a handful of the other guys out there. Um, you know, I think they're in a deep enough position now. They're young, but they've you know they don't have a lot of on-field proven depth. But I I I'd say it's not as instrumental as as maybe I previously would have said. Like last year, I thought was instrumental. I thought they had a a really good group of guys. If if they could land Braden Platt, I think that that would be really solid. And here's the thing: there's there's a bunch of players out there that are kind of diamonds in the rough at inside backer that I think Coach Venables this this system can turn into really really good players. Find a couple of the physical traits that you really like. I think they can turn them into good players. All right, quick timeout. We'll be back with the rush next. <laughs> 